Welcome to the Church Doctors Podcast with Scott and Marla Sheely. The Church Doctors Podcast is brought to you by Outpouring International. Love God, love people. That's right. We we do love God and we do love people. And one of the ways we're doing it is bringing guests on the show who have uh, extraordinary stories to tell about how they their lives went uh, growing up and how they met the Lord and uh, the miraculous things that God has done to uh, put them back together and make them a new creation in Christ Jesus. And uh, one of the one of the best people that I could think of to help share that story is my friend Matt Turner. Glad you're here with us today, Matt. Thank you, Scott. It's good to be with you. And uh, I met Matt, uh, I don't know, three or four years ago, and uh, it's one of those relationships where um, uh, just like after five minutes of talking, like, I like this guy. I want to be around him, you know. Yeah, and it's yeah. been like that ever since. And uh, uh, so, if you have friends or relationships like that in your life, thank God for them. That's a, certainly Matt. Your your life's been a gift to me and my family. And uh, anyway, Matt, there's there's a line that you use, and I can't remember how to quote it. But when you describe yourself. It's like uh, twice dead or something like that. Twice resurrected. Twice re- oh, the opposite because you're a Christian and you're heading toward, <laughs> yeah, you're heading toward the other way. Twice yes. resurrected. Yes, yes. Okay, so now we're going to start from back farther before that point. That was a teaser. Yep. So now you're going to have to listen to the to the podcast to find out why, <laughs> where that came from. So um, you grew up in, in Texas, in South Texas. Uh, and actually, northeast Texas. Northeast yeah. Texas. Well, kind of central northeast, but um, yeah, Middle Othian, uh, Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my parents uh, owned a store and uh, kind of a hardware auto store. And uh, so I grew up um, with parents that were, that were uh, very hardworking people, uh, very intelligent, but not as educated. Yeah. Yeah. They were, um, uh, I mean, they were overachievers, you know, that kind of, that kind of, uh, folks. I mean, I, I had, um, a, a, a father who was easy to climb up in his lap, you know, uh, he didn't feel like he was going to get rejected or pushed away. Um, he was not saved. He wasn't walking with the Lord. And, um, and then my mother, um, up until I was six years old, was was uh, wonderful. We had a great relationship. But then, when I was six years old, something happened, and um, and I uh, I was laying in bed, and I had just I don't know why I was asking this question. I think it had something to do with uh, actually I may have been seven years old, but I I I was laying in bed. And I was asking this question from God, and I think it had to do with watching um, uh, the gal uh, who went through the Holocaust. I can't, right now, her name is escaping me. Um, but she uh, talked about forgiveness and talked about God a lot. And, yeah. and uh, so she was actually in my 
uh, first grade class, you know, and there was, you know, it was, I think it was, a all the way up to fifth grade that they were having all these kids. And, you know, I was just a first grader, but some of her words stuck with me. And so when I was in bed that night, I'm laying there uh, and all of a sudden um, I asked God a question. I said, who created you and who created the one that created you and who created the one that created the one that created you, you know? And um, suddenly God's presence enveloped me and overwhelmed me. And I, I felt like a, a micro dot, you know, in the universe, but at the same time, I wasn't diminished. Like I, I knew God's love surrounded me. There was something about this feeling of being enveloped in God and uh, and I can't. I mean, I've had this feeling probably, I'd, I bet five or six times in my life that that it was that powerful. And um, so the next, let's see, I think it was three nights later um, that I had a terrible, uh, what I would call a night terror. I wasn't asleep, but I had this hooded figure attacking me in my bed with the knife. I wasn't asleep, and I started screaming. Of course, my parents came running in, you know. Um, And so they asked me what was going on, and I told them, you know, I saw somebody in my room with a knife who was going to stab me. It had a hood over his head, you know. And um, so I didn't didn't know enough to ask anything at that time. Um, Later, God reminded me, of that time in my life that that had happened. And he spoke to me, this is much later. And he said, the enemy has been after you for a long time because he knew there was something that I was going to do special with you. And so I, you know, that was actually the time when severe abuse began to happen in my family. Um, My mom and dad began to fight uh, there was a, a tremendous, um, I don't evil that entered our home and would attack my mom. I, I think that uh, the things that she was going through uh, later that I found out was, um, was a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, and the enemy was attacking her. And I, I call it demonstrating. She, she was demonstrating what the enemy was doing to her, she was demonstrating that on me. Um, there were times where um, she would get on my uh, chest and be choking me out to the point where I would almost pass out. Um, she would chase me down with a, with a glass bottle, hit me on the head or uh, even uh, a golf club once, um, split my skull open. Uh, I had to get, you know, stitches and, and the, the the tale to my dad was that I'd run into a fence with my bicycle, and I was threatened to not um, to not ever don't tell the truth. Yeah, yeah, don't tell the truth. And there were other things um, that that were really embarrassing and humiliating. Uh, the worst thing I think was probably the words, "I wish you were never born. Um, you've ruined my life. I hate you," and then some. Definitely a lot of um, cuss words or, you know, terrible words to use on a child. 
So that was, uh, that was when I was seven years old, six or seven years old. Yeah. And, um, I, I didn't know it, but what had happened was this, my aunt had, had come to, um, to visit, my parents, and uh, she spilled the beans on the fact that my mother had slept with my dad's brother, actually two different brothers, and um, and that I might not be uh, be from my father's loins, <laughs> and that's what that's what triggered your mom. Yes, yeah. and I didn't find this out uh, until just I don't know. Just a, two or three years, two years ago, I guess. Yeah, two years ago. And um, so I, you know, all this time, I lived with not understanding why. Um, I grew up uh, in, in, within this system of abuse that was almost daily, you know, uh, of shame um, and, and blame I, I had, uh, uh, my parents didn't go to church at that time at all. Um, and they ended up purchasing, uh, this store that they ended up, I ended up being raised in this store, um, that they owned as a white auto store. And, uh, when, when they did that, my mom began to go to church and the church, that she went to uh, was was really odd. They had there was pastors and 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 elders, you know, swapping wives and just all kinds wow. of weird stuff going on. But uh, my mom ended up leaving and running off with a pastor. And uh, and and I, you know, I I don't know or understand all the shame that she was going through, all the feelings she was feeling. But her and my dad were were constantly fighting, um, and uh, I come to find out later a lot of that was about me and the way she'd treat me. Um, well, one day my dad comes to me and says, hey, your mom wants to come back. How do you feel about that? And, you know, I'm just like, well, if she'll let me play football and quit beating me, yeah. <laughs> then I'll, I'd, that'd be fine, you know. And uh, little did I know that she had actually – um, her lawyer had threatened my dad that she would come and take me away. Um, and uh, it was kind of hushed, the fact that I biologically may not be my father's, you know, but, but that, was, that would be the, the reason she could take me away. And uh, she would also take his livelihood away. Mm. So, uh, yeah, it was a, a terrible time uh, in my life uh, growing up in that, and I – Eventually began to uh, use drugs, um, you know, smoking pot and doing whatever. And uh, I, I got to the point where I was stealing from my parents' store, you know, to supply my habit. Um, you know, I knew how to work hard, but I made these excuses in my mind. Well, you know, they're they're terrible parents. He's not protecting me, and she's doing this to me, and I'm just gonna you know, steal a bunch of tires and go sell them on the market or sell them to somebody, you know, and, and, uh, that's, uh, so I just turned into a little thief, you know, um, I despised women and, um, I, I, you know, I, 
I transferred what my uh, my thoughts were about my mom and her authority onto God. Yeah, you know that's I the way that I saw her was how I saw God. We started going to this little Assembly of God church, and uh, and it was it was a lot more normal, <laughs> but it was definitely religious, and um, and I uh, I remember that there was two men in my life who uh, who really affected me, who I saw Jesus in them. Uh, one of them was Brother Woodall, and Brother Woodall was this guy that. I was older. He worked. Um, he owned a bookstore uh, for the Assemblies of God uh, College in Waxhatchee. And Brother Woodall was the sweetest guy. He would um, he would he would come and just lay his hand on my head or my shoulder and look at another person that would be in front of us, and he'd start talking wonderful things about me. <laughs> wow! <laughs> and he would just he'd say, you know, because my nickname was Stormy. He would say. You know that Stormy, he's just a wonderful fella, and he's just the kindest. He loves everybody, and he just would go on and on and on. And me, I'd just be eating it up like a little puppy. I'd just, just you know, all that care, all that love, and um, all the words of affirmation, you know, yeah. that I was getting from him um, was blessing my soul. And I, I, drink, I drank it in like a parched land, you know. Um, and then the second person uh, was was Keith Green. <laughs> Keith Green came into our little Assembly of God church, started playing the piano and singing, you want to go back to Egypt. You know, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Yeah. But then he started into worship. And I fell in love with worship that day, with worship music. And I, I really enjoyed it. And uh, I begged my parents to get me a drum set. Of course, that'll... Pentecostal church, they didn't really do drums. So I, it took some tall talking to the pastor to get that to happen. But uh, but I, I actually started playing drums, you know, at this church. But the abuse continued. The abusive words continued. Uh, there, was, there was nothing I could do that was right. Everything I did was wrong. Even if I was telling the truth, I'd be accused of lying. You know, and, wow. and, and, I mean, I would never be believed, you know, even if I was telling the truth. So uh, all of that really damaged my identity and my psyche in a pretty pretty bad way. So um, the way that I treated girls was pretty terrible, you know. Uh, I, I, I didn't honor them at all. Um, uh, I had been taught, um, you know, stuff about sexual, you know, pornography and the things that go along with that by another kid uh, that was much older than me. But, um, and that's usually how it happens, you know. You had no, you had no example of, of how to, how to treat anybody. Exactly. No, no, no way to follow after. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, um, <clears throat> when I, uh, I, I, I ended up, I'm, I'm, I don't know how much of the story to tell, but, um, I mean, some of the things that God did in my life to keep me from dying was amazing because <laughs> I had, I had thing after thing after thing that, yeah, that could have I, I mean, I can remember a few that you've told, uh, uh, 
uh, running from the cops in yep. a car, driving too fast, yeah. doing uh, even in one part of your life, you were uh, got involved in uh, trafficking drugs and yep. and running, <laughs> getting yeah. in a crowd where if you did the wrong thing, you were going to get shot. Yeah, you know? they pulled a gun on me at, all the time to- in a hotel room. Yeah, yeah, in a hotel, and the police showed up right then to to to. I had a pair of nunchucks. <laughs> and the guy wow. was about to shoot me. <laughs> wow. And uh, the police saved me. But um, but I think more than that, Jesus saved me. He had, it was a sting that was planned, you know, at this place. And I didn't know I was even in the middle of it. Ah. Yeah. yeah. So so I ended up, um, uh, I, I ended up going that day, that, that night after I, um, when that happened, I ended up going to jail for a week. And uh, the next day, after getting out of jail, uh, I went to work. I went back to work for this guy I had been working for. And um, the guy, um, he was a he was a jailbird himself. I mean, he was a little drug dealer. But we were building buildings, uh, metal buildings, and uh, he had run out of money, you know, and and so that's why I was doing the drug deal for him to to be able to get some money, make uh-huh. some money. And so uh, I went back to work on this job site in Arlington, Texas, on top of a, a house of a, a wealthy um, attorney. And um, I was up on top of the roof and had a pry bar in my right hand. And I was walking to the edge of the roof, and I didn't realize that they had built the power lines that go from house to house right over this house. It wasn't a service line. It was power lines, 7,200 volts. And um, I, I, there was a tree grown up around these wires, and so I couldn't even see them. You know, it was For April. all of you that don't understand volts and electricity, he just said that line is 7,200 volts. The voltage in your home right now that you plug in your toaster is only 115. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's like thousands and thousands yeah. of volts bigger than what your house has. Yeah. So I, I just was walking to the edge of the roof, was moving trees, the branches to the tree out of the way, and my left hand con- come into contact with the bottom wire, and the top wire arced over to the pry bar on my right hand. So the electricity jumped, and it, it jumped through me. Um, it killed me instantly, and I was on a flat part of the house, uh, the flat part of the roof. I fell down on the roof. I was dead, and um, my hands were, I mean, I'd left skin on both the pry bar and the, the wire, you know, where my hands had gotten burnt so bad. And um, and I'm dead. You know, this is back in uh, uh, 84, 1984. There was no 911, you know. Right. Uh, we, I mean, I, they first of all, they didn't even know what had happened. All they knew was that the transformer had blown, you know. Uh, they didn't, and the electricity was off, the other people that were building and working on the house. And... Um, so they're looking around trying to figure out what's going on. And finally, one of them goes up to the top and he finds me and I'm dead there. And uh, so they called uh, the emergency vehicle and they came and it, it took over 20 minutes uh, for them to, that's the estimation. So, so during that time, uh, I don't, 
it's hard to explain because you don't really know. This is my near death experience, but it wasn't near. Yeah, I was dead. Yeah, <laughs> I was there. Yeah, and uh, so I'm, I'm experiencing uh, what I would I've come to know. I think is is outer darkness. Like there was this place of complete darkness, no light whatsoever. There was nothing of God uh, there. Uh, for me to interact with, there was nothing that you know because we're we're designed by God to interact with His creation. So that means that this table that these microphone stands are sitting on, you know, that's wood. God created the trees. You know, well, man interacts with that wood and creates a table because we are made in His image. We create, yeah, and so uh, there was nothing in this place, to interact with. There was nothing of God there. There's something about interacting with God's creation that's a glory, that's part of his glory. And so I, I, there was nothing there. I mean, it was, I was more than bankrupt. You know, yeah. I was, I was below zero, you know, in, 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 in whatever you want to call, uh, personality or in any kind of thoughts or relationship with God, all I knew was there was nothing of God there. Wow. It was torment to my soul. Um, people talk about the torments that people are going to go through hell. You know, what, what does that look like? The torment of just being absent from God's creation yeah. was was a, just terrible, yeah. terrible. Wow. So... I ended up, um, uh, you know, suddenly coming back into the here and now, so to speak. But I was floating about 30 feet up above my body. And I'm watching these people who had me strapped to uh, one of those boards that they strap you to. And um, he was, they were lowering me off of the roof. And I'm like, what? What is that? You know, all of a sudden, boom! I'm back in my body again, and because my hands were so burnt and in pain, I'm starting to scream bloody murder. Well, these fellows that was taking me off the roof, they was lowering me, thinking I was dead, and suddenly I start screaming. Well, they almost dropped me and killed me again because it scared them. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah. so they get me off of the roof and they get me to their uh, their truck and put me in the ambulance and, um, take me to the hospital. And, you know, three days later, um, they had to amputate my hands because my, uh, the gangrene had started to set in and they weren't able to save anything in the muscles or anything in my hands. They were just had been burnt burnt too bad, burnt to a crisp. And so that's the first resurrection, you know, the book, it's called Twice Resurrected. Yeah, yeah. Matt wrote a wrote a, a book about this. So, uh, and it's free. It's a it's a free book. Um, so, uh, you know, my uh, before they took my hands, my my dad is. I can hear my dad in in the conversation with his doctor, and he's saying. Please just take t- some of the tendons and, and and muscles from my hands. You know, give give my. I mean, this is a father that I find out later 
may not be my biological father. And he was willing to give up part yeah. of his body for you. Yeah. Wow. And so, um, and so my mom and, and, and I'm not trying to paint her as a villain. This is just where she was at right. in her life. And I'll explain some of that a little bit later, but, um, so my mom was bending over saying, if you just give your heart to Jesus, you're going to get to keep your hands, you know, and, and, uh, a little bit of transactional relationship with, yeah. <laughs> with God, yeah. you know, and, uh, and, and God don't work that way, you know? No. And so, yeah, there's uh, no, you don't make a deal with God. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I, you know, my, my family was just kind of beside themselves. They didn't know what to do. And they took my hands off and, and, uh, and I, I, I started, you know, uh, they wrapped my arms up and I was, you know, it was just, it was a lot of hurt, a lot of pain, a lot of torment, a lot of confusion and a lot of medication, you know? Yeah. So I ended up uh, having to go back to my parents' house after all this, which I hadn't lived with them for a few years. And, um, and my, um, my mom would go street witnessing out on Greenville Avenue in Dallas uh, every, I think every Friday or Saturday night. And, and she was gone. We'd, I'd been home for maybe two weeks. And I could, you know, my arms are all wrapped up, you know, swollen up the size of a football, you know, uh, my, the end of my arms yeah. from my elbow down. And, um, and so uh, I had to hold my arms up above my, uh, my heart because if I put them down, the heartbeat would go through them. And, oh, my gosh, it was just so terrible. The pain was because my nerves had been fried. And so I ended up. Having two girls from church uh, come over to see me, and uh, it's just me and my dad there because my mom had went out uh, on the street witnessing uh, with a bullhorn thing, and so my um, these girls had said, "Hey, we want to take you to a movie," and my dad was ecstatic. He was happy because he wanted his son to like begin to get some kind of a normal life going, you know. Yeah. Well, these girls invited me, and they were really good Christian gals, you know. And so they took me to a movie, you know, and, and uh, I'm having to walk around like a— With your arms uh, up in the air. Yeah, like one of those cactuses, you know. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so I'm, I'm walking around like that. And, uh, and I, I come back home when they, come, they drop me off, and, uh, and I am getting through the door, and my mom meets me there. And she's got a big stick. And she is accusing me of being, you know, this everything you can imagine. And she starts whipping me with that stick over the head. And uh and I didn't think about it. I just put my arms up to protect to protect me. And oh my yeah. gosh, you know, it it sent it sent me to the ground. I was screaming out like an animal, you know, and I and my dad, you know, he he come running out in his underwear, you know, and he's like, "What's going on?" You know, and and uh, and my mom accused me of attacking her. <laughs> I'm like, uh, yeah. I, "With what?" You know, and and I got so angry uh, that I told them, I said, "If if you ever hit me again, I'll lay you out with my feet," you know, and and and, and um, so I, you know, that established reaffirmed a, a continuing burning anger at my mother. Um, so soon after that, um, you know, 
within, I don't know, a couple of years, you know, or, or, oh, sorry, let me go backwards. About seven months later, I ended up getting prosthetic arms. Like they call them hooks or, yeah. you know, um, and I can, I got really adept at them. I could do just about anything with yeah, them. Yeah, I've watched. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I, uh, I ended up getting a settlement a couple of years later. And in that settlement, I, uh, uh, I got enough money to, um, to try and, you know, stuff as much fun or crazy or whatever in this hole in my heart. So what had happened, you know, back when I felt this emptiness of God, uh, I came back from being resurrected determined that I was going to be a good boy, that I was, I accepted the transaction my mom had yeah. had offered me. Yeah. And it was basically the way she lived her Christianity, you know? And so I tried to live out that I'm going to be a good boy, you know, I'm not, but that doesn't fill you up. It doesn't give you what the soul looks for, you know? And so, you know, when I ended up getting all this money, um, the opportunity to fill my soul up with something else was there. And I began to take advantage of that. And I began to, to do drugs and, and buy fast cars and I filled my life up with all these crazy things. And, um, and I, you know, I, I didn't have, I mean, I, I'd gotten married and I had two kids at the time. My wife and I were getting in a, a divorce, was going through a divorce. And, and I, um, I, I had come to a place where I didn't really have anything left to live for. Um, I, you know, I, I had, uh, my mom had attacked me in our store. I, I got, took some of the money and, and bought into my parents' store. And, um, and so I co-owned it with them. And uh, and she attacked me in the middle of the store, and uh, then and she tripped over some boxes and ran p- to the back, uh, very embarrassed because she realized that she had lost her temper in front of about ten or eleven people, you know. And um, she hid out in her office. And during that time, uh, I, I had these. It had to have been Holy Spirit that was talking to me because I wasn't in shape, you know. I I was getting drunk all the time. Um, couldn't do drugs because having to do, be drug tested, you know, for my kids with the divorce. And so um, I was drinking all the time. And, uh, and my, um, my mom, uh, she uh, went back and hid out in her office. And, uh, and the Lord was talking to me and, and for three days. It was reminding me how my mom had been molested by brothers and how she had been uh, terribly abused by her mother and uh, and and s- several other things that had happened to her she had lost two children one died in her arms you know a newborn and then another one was stillborn and she was broken you know and yeah. uh, so i just got to that place where um i i could see that my mom was in a cycle of anger and hate. Yep. So I, I went back to her office and I knocked on the door and 
Uh, and, and this was totally Holy Spirit because I wasn't mentally capable of doing this or even emotionally. Um, but I knocked on the door and she let me in. And I, I told her, I said, I know I haven't been the best son and I'm really sorry. But I remember you and I going on vacations together and us singing Statler Brothers songs and, and just, and really having a good time, you know. Um, and I want you to know that I'll always love you and you'll always be my mom no matter what. Well, she started crying like something broke in her. I think she got saved that day. Yeah. <laughs> I think she got to that, that cycle of shame and guilt and brokenness just all crumbled right then. Um, and something changed. Well, several months later, I'm still going through a divorce. I'm still drinking a lot. And I'm walking through this store that my parents and I co-owned together. And um, uh, it was at night. The store was shut down. All the employees were gone except for me locking up the store. I'm walking toward the back. And all of a sudden, Jesus stepped in. He stepped right into my life. Like physically, he was there. Yeah, he could see him. He was glowing. And uh, I couldn't see strong facial features. But he was glowing. His glory was so powerful, and I could see this TV in front of him, almost like a like a video TV. And I'm watching my life played out in front of me. And uh, I mean, I'm going to Fat Daddy's bar, right? Like that was what I was going to do. And Jesus steps in. It's not like I had these right. wonderful thoughts, right. you know. Just he stepped in to my life, and I. Uh, I'm I'm sitting there watching this video of my life, watching, reminding me when I was seven years old and had this encounter with God, and then the enemy attacked me a few days later, nights later, and um, and I'm watching my life deteriorate and all the things that had happened, um, the pornography, the way I treated women, all those things, and I saw that um, that once you know all these things had sunk in, then the depravity of my own soul began to invoke sin upon other people. So mm-hmm. sin begets sin. Yep. And um, and I just became so overwhelmed. And I said, God, why? Why did, you, why did you do this? He said, I never wanted this for you. This is not my plan for you. It's not my plan for anyone. And I said, but you're God. You could. Right. He said, I didn't create you to be a, 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 a robot. I created you to be a son. I created you to make your own choices and decide to, to, to be with me. And uh, I just became so overwhelmed watching what had played out in my sin and, and sins that I that had been perpetrated on me. And I just melted into the floor. <laughs> I just, and wow. wave after wave of love just kept washing over me again again and again. And uh, I knew the love of God and the value of God for the first time ever in my life. So there it is. There's a second resurrection. It's a second resurrection. Once we're dead. That's right. And now you're alive. That's right. And, and the, uh, it's amazing to me. A, A lot of people think that, okay, you have to understand how all this works. You have to do the right thing, say the right thing. None of that's true in any of this story. That's right. <laughs> because 
Because you didn't understand what forgiveness was, you didn't say you didn't even you didn't even use those words. That's right. And yet your mom got the got it. Yeah. She she got the fact that you were forgiving her and that you 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 were giving extending to her some some compassion. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I just love that. I love the fact that that uh, I I know a lot more of the story, of course, that we can tell just in this short podcast of how. Uh, seeing the years and years later how God has used you and turned your family into a beautiful garden yeah, and uh, how you've been able to extend that love to many other people and counsel others who are in, you know, similar spots where they think it's impossible. Yeah. yeah. And we've seen God uh, bring healing and change in, in many, many lives. And uh, I just want to invite anybody that's listened to this story if uh if that's you if if there's you know a, a lot of this happened behind closed doors where nobody knew what what was going on it's just a businessman in town a family uh he's playing football he's going to school and everything and maybe people don't don't realize what's going on behind closed doors if you're stuck in that situation there's hope if if you're going through uh, abuse and and you don't deserve it you just you're just stuck in the middle of a place there's there's hope and the, the, the hope is, is Matt said it already, he's waiting for you to hand it all over to him and to receive that, that resurrection for you. If you, uh, if you need that, he's, he's right there. He's so excited to receive you into his family. Um, if you've done that and you're still in a hard place, um, there's, there's a way out. And the, the way out is to realize that it, uh, you're not responsible for carrying the shame. That's right. You're not responsible f- for the darkness. You didn't make that up. You didn't. You didn't choose that. And um, and, and so, offer yourself uh, back to God. Offer yourself. Um, you know, give Him er- everything you have, and and you'll start seeing the the light of God come into your circumstance in your situation. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Matt. It was a pleasure. Thank you for for the opportunity to to share uh, my life. And as always, if you heard uh, Matt's testimony and you'd like to uh, contact him about sharing that in your church or uh, uh, getting a hold of his book, um, you can contact us through our website at the end of the show, and we'll put you in contact with Matt If you're stuck and you need prayer, you need ministry, of course, we would love to help you with that, too. So let us know. Thank you for listening to The Church Doctors today. And uh, like and share. Give this uh, show away to people who need to hear this message, because I I believe this was a timely thing. Somebody needs to hear this. God bless you all. Blessings. Thanks for joining us on The Church Doctors Podcast. For more information or to contact us, please visit our website at outpouringintl.com.